How's it going, everybody? And welcome to another edition of the Hoopjack Podcast Series. I am your host, Christopher Armstead. And with me today is my man, LeVar. LeVar, how are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. So, a lot to discuss, a lot to go over today. So, uh, I was, you know, we talked about the untold stories that come out. We talked about the the girlfriend who didn't exist was the story of Manti Teo. <laughs> and the one that's coming up at the end of August is The Rise and Fall of And One, which we've gone over, and I yes. can't wait to see that. Yes. A new one has come out, Operation Flagrant Foul, which is the story of Tim, the ref, Tim Donahue, who oh used to God, ref man. the NBA. And... What's interesting enough, when I did my research on the 2006-2007 season, which was primarily the time when he was betting, mm-hmm. uh, he re- he bet about 14 of those games to probably pretty much mob ties and everything like that. What was interesting about that year was looking at all the stuff that happened through that, and that was you know Kobe Bryant was the lead scorer at that time, mm-hmm. and the Spurs swept the Cavs. In the finals, and easily that was, and looking at the, it was the second lowest viewed finals in NBA history. <laughs> the only uh, the one that topped it was the 2020 NBA finals. Yeah, that's that's because that wasn't. And they have the trailer out for Operation Flagrant Foul. It is coming out August 30th, and let's take a listen. I love the game of basketball growing up. It's all I did, all I dreamt of, and all I wanted to be a part of. He sounds like he's from New York, too. He does. Man, did I f*** my life up. Uh, you think so? Yeah. Allegations against one basketball ref of betting on games is rocking the NBA. As an NBA referee, it was written in the contract that you couldn't place a bet of any kind. This is why Iverson don't have no championships right now. Yeah. To make these picks correct. Timmy would tell me who we would bet on, and I would relay it back to my guys. I said to myself, shouldn't be doing this. He said to myself, A few million on each game. It's a print press. There was a lot of money in it quick. He's betting on his own games. And then all of a sudden, the FBI was here. Like you think. Wire fraud. Illegal gambling. Let's go, baby. You can never live a peaceful life. Goddamn Donahue. So, Tim Donahue was, he was a ref for 13 years, actually 11, 11, 11 years. Yeah. He started in 96, and in 2007 was his last year because they caught on with the the scandal, the betting mm-hmm. scandal. And that put a crackdown on betting-wise all leagues. Period. Because that was the start of, you know, putting the hammer down. On athletes betting and anybody pretty much within that world betting. So my question is, you know, could there would there have been another? It had Tim Donahue not been called out, had he not been found, do you think more like this would happen? Not just in the NBA, but in any other league. Oh yes, oh yes. If they if they were able to get away with it and not get caught, most definitely, most As, definitely, it'll be. I, I'm gonna tell you right now, if if it did go that way now, there'll be so many different teams winning that's not supposed to win mm-hmm. because the referees control the game. I don't care what people say, the referees control the game. 
They can call it, anything. It'll be scary one day when if it was still happening, the Sacramento Kings are in the NBA Finals. Goddamn Sacramento. Orlando Magic in the Finals again without hey, like a Dwight. It, it could have happened to Sacramento. They probably were supposed to win. And, and Donnie said, nah, <laughs> I won't let that happen. I won't let that happen. Not on my watch. Right. So, untold Operation Flagrant Foul coming out August 30th. And I got to say, and I've said this before, they're making a really good competition with ESPN 30 for 30. Yes. Because from what they have out now, Malice of the Palace, Crime and Penalties. Uh, let me look at what else they had here. Uh, they had Breaking Point, which was tennis, and The Rise and Fall of Anne 1, which is coming out on, coming Tuesday. Out on Tuesday. yeah. So that's right around the corner. Deal yeah. with the Devil, Caitlyn Jenner. Um, it's These are great sports stories that it does give ESPN a, a run, run for, for their money a run for because their ESPN money, has done great sports documentaries but Netflix has the money and the capability to take over yes do you think that ESPN is kind of shaking their boots a little with what Netflix is putting out cuz some of some of these have been told already like Malice at the Palace They've done a story on that. Yeah, the rise and fall of Am One they just did with the greatest mixtape of all time, mm-hmm. which they could give a run for money. But I haven't seen one on a boxing with you know women's boxing deal with the devil. Breaking point about Marty Fish, crime and penalties about the mob and hockey. Anything on Manti Teo. You know what that that the mob and hockey. I, I'm telling you right now, I didn't even know that. Um, and then there's another, there's another one coming out with the untold stories, but I, it was hard to get into it. It's about, um, like the sailing championships and I was, I never understood anything about that, but I'm told it's supposed to be really good, but I think ESPN needs to worry because I can't wait for the rise and fall of man one. That one looks really good. They can go a little, untold can go a little deeper. ESPN has. ESPN has a broad dynamic, but I think you go deeper into. But you can only go to a certain, they only have a certain amount of time. And they only have a certain amount of reach. They can run it. So they they can run this for two hours or basically a six hour series. you, you, You think about that, but ESPN pretty much blew it out of the water with the OJ yes. documentary. That was a five-parter. Yeah. And that was like an hour, an hour and a half each. But that covered his his career, his marriage life, the scenario that scenario. happened, him getting acquitted, mm-hmm. and then all the sequences after that where he tried to steal back his memorabilia and right. his jail time. Right. That's a five-parter. Some of the... Manti Teo's story was two parts. Mm-hmm. It was... His career and then leading up to it and then the aftermath of everything having come out. Right. So I get that. And one, I'm pretty sure they could do a two-parter just because of the rise and, can, and the fall. They can do at least five parts because and one basically comes from street ball and they can start off talking about street ball and run it into and one if they wanted to. Right. So, like I said... Um, New do- Operation Flagger Foul coming August thirtieth, and they got they got these coming out week. And there's and there's only volume two. There's only four stories. I can't even imagine if they decided to expand and do more. But I know right. that takes time, and Netflix has the resources. They have the abundance to do that. Definitely. Um. So moving forward, uh, I noticed. You know, I talked about this last week. The WMA finals are right around the corner. They're starting this week. Yep. They're 
all they're all they're all tournament like they're all teams came out like who made the first team made the second team made the third team uh i'm just throwing out a name i'm throwing out a name i know so, so arizona guard sam thomas yeah. Rookie coming in. I don't know how many rookies got offered contracts this year, and I'm assuming it would be the same amount that the NBA would have. They would have, you know, a good amount of rookies. You would think, but I don't think you it would, is. You would think. Imagine if you're an NBA player and you average I'm not Point, trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be mean, but these four. are the actual stats. <laughs> Point four points, <laughs> point two rebounds, point three assists, and point three steals in five minutes per game. And you make an all-rookie all team. All rookie team. If I was an NBA player making those stats, I'd be on the bench. I'd be on my couch in my living room yeah. or what there was left of a living room. What I don't understand is how many rookies is in the league. There had to be a lot. We saw the draft. There's so many. There's you, still there's at nobody least nobody averaging at least one point a game. No one averaging at least two, maybe three, or even more minutes. This is not this is not like second or third team. No, this is, this is all, all rookie team. This is like the number one and team. And you're telling me it's just you look at that. AP's WBL rookie team. I'm sorry. But there's there's a fine line between what works and what doesn't. And now, that does not work. Not just not to take it away from her, because she no, probably come out she here probably and come out, my ass quick. She probably could, but I'm just saying <laughs> the numbers are not. I, and I'm it's look, not supposed. I'm looking at and then going into the regular season numbers from the WNBA. Mm-hmm. They had a great year. Yeah, viewership is up 16 percent from since the 2008 regular season, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Social media engagement is 186 plus million on videos yeah. by itself, which is fantastic. WNBA League Pass is up 10%, 10%. subscribers. Yeah. That's awesome. And then merchandise is up 50%. 50%. You can't tell me that this was the year for the WNBA as far as growth, as far as seeing you know a rise. I think after last year with Candace Parker winning the title, title. for Chicago yep. Sky, Chicago. you can't tell me that WNBA is on the rise, but I think... We gotta be doing a little bit better with selection process. It's got that's, it has to be. There has, it has I'm, to I'm be trying some to, type of. I'm not trying to be mean, but there um, has to be a better selection process than maybe. Maybe somebody got injured. There we go. There we go. That's what it is. That's somebody what got injured, are and we they, that? Oh, are they we only had that ten is. rookies in the league. <laughs> So they had to put her in. Is that where we're going with now? That's, that's as far as I can reach with that's, it. Uh, that's where we're going that's with it. now. That's, that's all I got, man. Oh boy. Oh Jesus. <laughs> I'm just we're gonna take we're gonna take it after that. We're just gonna take a quick break. <laughs> Guys, when we come back, we have our one on one profile with newest member uh San Jose uh state Kellen King. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Hoopjack Podcast Series, guys. And today, for our one-on-one Hooper profile, we have a very special guest. We have Missouri St. Louis alumni and recently the newest member of the San Jose State Spartans men's basketball program. We have Mr. Kellen King. Kellen, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. So you are a so walk me through the process of how you got the opportunity to play for San Jose State. I know you had a I looked at your career stats in Missouri St. Louis. You had an amazing career there and just the build up from that. What was kind of the feeling making that next commitment to play at San Jose State? 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of wild. I never would have imagined that I'd be playing a sixth year of college basketball at a division one level. Um, but yeah, I spent three years at Missouri St. Louis and we were, uh, very successful there. I think we went 66 and 19 while I was there, uh, won two conference championships, went to the sweet 16 last year. Um, and basically the whole, um, I chose to leave. Uh, I'm not going to – I don't want to talk bad about Missouri-St. Louis. I love Coach Bob Sunbold, the head coach there, and I would play for him any day of the week. Um, but, you know, out of 15 guys, we graduated a few. Uh, we graduated a few sixth-year, fifth-year guys that were done. Um, we had me and two other sixth-year guys that had the opportunity to come back and one fifth-year guy that played a lot that had the opportunity to come back. And uh, – yeah, I don't I mean I'm not going to say anything bad, but it's kind of weird when, you know, there's more to the story when you've got a chance to bring back three sixth years and a fifth year and, and all four of them leave the program. Um right, I'm not saying, I, yeah. I decided to to test the transfer portal with one more year left. I was already really close to getting my masters of business at Missouri St. Louis. Um Southwest Baptist Division 2 school was really the only school that reached out to me right away. Um, I talked briefly with Coach Miles here at San Jose State. We would text maybe once a week. He just really didn't know what his roster was going to look like, and he was kind of going through player meetings and stuff. Um, Southwest Baptist offered me. They're in Bolivar, Missouri. They got a great little program. Uh, I thought I would have fit in really well there. But I just – they were in our conference – they were in the GLVC, and I told Coach Sumble at Missouri-St. Louis, I'd, I'd rather stick around for my sixth year here in St. Louis rather than leave and go to another program in conference for a year. And uh, he totally agreed with me. Like, he thought I should just stay at Missouri-St. Louis. Um, and then I brought – that's when I brought up to him the idea of, you know, if I'm going to spend one year somewhere else, I want it to be somewhere really special – I don't just want it to be some kind of middle of nowhere, you know, somewhere. I want it to be somewhere where I can look back in 40 years and be proud that I went to school there, that I played basketball there. So he reached out to um, Valparaiso, a D1 program in Indiana, and they started talking to me about being a walk-on there. And I was interested, but they um, – it wasn't a great situation they had. Most of their guys returning, they were going to bring in three or four guys, and I was going to be going to be like the last guy they were going to add. It was going to kind of be hard to make a big um, impact there as a sixth-year senior. Um, and then Coach Miles called me and said, why don't you just come out here? Um, they kept six guys from last year, and they brought in me and two other transfers and then uh, six freshmen, and I thought – it's a young team. Um, I liked Coach Miles. I like the other two coaches that I met. Uh, but it's a, it's a great place for me to make an impact as a kind of a culture guy, um, as a six-year guy with a lot of experience. I felt like I could make more of an impact at San Jose State than I could at any of the other schools that I, that I spoke to. Um, and it gave me a chance to get a master's in engineering right here in Silicon Valley. So, um yeah, it was a perfect spot, and so I'm glad I did it. But it's a, uh, it's definitely been a wild ride. Right, and like you said, you know, you wanted to 
go to a spot where you can make a difference, especially being at your sixth year going for your master's. And that's, it's, it's a good way to look at it. You want to go somewhere where you can remember it down the line. You know, I had these experiences, you know, and you can't take anything from away from Missouri, St. Louis. I know, like you said, you didn't want to say anything bad, but, and that's not what we do here. And I I just want to reflect you, like this last season, you guys had a great record. You were 26 and seven. You won the Great Lakes Valley Conference Championships. You guys made it to the Sweet 16 in the NCAA Midwest Regionals. Unfortunately, lose, losing to Hillsdale College. But like you said, I'm sure during that time you were at uh, Missouri St. Louis, you had a great relationship with the head, uh, head coach. His name is, is his name Bob Sunvold. I want to make sure I'm yeah, pronouncing it right. Bob Sunvold. And just so there must have been some, you know, great relationship there that you had with him. I know it's kind of hard to leave on those terms, but I'm assuming you guys had a good relationship no matter what. We did. And, and um, yeah, I love Coach Bob and he helped me out a lot. And um, when I came out here, it was kind of, I got a lot of questions about, even though I'm a sixth year walk on out here after being a scholarship guy for, for five years at the division two level, um, cause I only averaged like three points last year, uh, and came off the bench the year before that, when I started, I averaged nine and, and five and led our team in rebounding. Um, but last year we, we kept the whole team and I chose to come back to Missouri St. Louis and we had a really good year. And that's just kind of a, the way things go when you have a good team like that. Um, you know, sometimes it, sometimes the playing time, you know, there's so many good players, but I chose to come back and I was glad I did cause I got another ring out of it. Uh, but, but you'd be surprised how far it goes when you're a culture guy like me and you don't have any off the court baggage that comes with you and you take care of, you know, you get, you're good in the classroom and you're a leader by example. Um, you know, programs look at that and they, and especially as a grad transfer, uh, you're bringing in a kid that you don't want this extra baggage. You don't want someone that you have to to spend your time and energy on off the court. You want someone to come in, the transition to be smooth. You've only got them for a year, maybe two if you're a guy that graduates in, in three and has two two years of eligibility left. Um, but, yeah, so that's I think that's one of the reasons why Coach Miles was really interested in, in bringing me on and just seeing what I could what I could offer to the team, especially to the younger guys. Um, and especially to a program that hasn't had much success in the past, you know, in, in five years, I've never been on a losing program in college and I've got two championship rings and I've been on three NCAA tournament teams. So it goes a long ways. Right. And you've been moving around a lot, like, um, you know, getting ready to head to California for San Jose state. You've been at Missouri St. Louis for the last two year, two, three years, three years, three years. Three years. And before that, you were at Carson Newman for two, but even though one of those years was your redshirt year, yeah, uh, did you learn a lot at your time at Carson Newman? Uh, so Carson Newman was interesting. Yes, I learned a lot to answer that question. But so I, in high school, I grew a lot towards my senior year. And so no one was really interested in me. And then my senior year, uh, I got to be like 6'4" probably 160 so I was really skinny but um had a great senior year all these division three schools were interested in me thought that's where I would end up and then then here comes some division two schools and obviously d3 can't offer scholarships so then these d2s are 
talking about free college. Well, then I kind of figured I'm going to go to a D2. Um, and then a couple D1s around the Nashville area offered me walk-on spots. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do one of these two options. Uh, I'm going to go to like a place like MTSU where um, Kermit Davis was the coach. He's now at Ole Miss. Uh, he wanted me to go there. I thought, okay, that's like 40 minutes away from home. I'll get to do the D1 thing. Or uh, or I'll go to a Division two, which Missouri-St. Louis, Coach Bob Sumble had offered me and Carson Newman had offered me. And one of my high school teammates was already a, two years into college. He, he transferred to Carson Newman. And I didn't know anything about St. Louis, so I just thought, okay. You know, I didn't really take my college decision. Looking back on it, I wish I would have thought about it more. But I just said, okay, I'll go to Carson Newman. It's in Tennessee. I already know a guy there. Um, red shirt in my first year, which is what I wanted to do no matter where I went because uh, at 6'4", 160, and I had just gone through this growth spurt, I wanted to put on another, you know, try to get up to like 180 or something. Um, but Carson Newman, it just wasn't a great fit for me. Um, probably wasn't as focused on basketball as I should have been. Um, but I did learn a lot. We had some good players up there. We had a good coach. Um, and it, it helped me get to Missouri-St. Louis when I got there the, then – I felt more like a college player when I arrived at Missouri St. Louis. And my right. second year at Carson Newman, I I didn't play. I got in a car accident and didn't uh, play the whole second half of the season. That's kind of when I decided. I'm sorry to hear I that. Wanted a fresh start. Uh, but yeah, it definitely prepared me for um, when I got to Missouri St. Louis. It was more like I, don't know, I was already used to the speed of the game and I just kind of fit right in. And I, and I played a lot that first year there. And, and we went 27 and six, best year in school history. And then COVID ended our. You know, we made it to the NCAA tournament. We were on the bus going to the tournament, and COVID ended our season. So um, that was unfortunate. Uh, but, yeah, that's kind of my, my Carson Newman story. And you were talking about, you know, having the option at, at Middle Tennessee and that being close to home. You growing up in Tennessee, specifically in Brentwood. Yeah. And then playing at Brentwood High School. And then I'm looking at your accolades for that. One of those was scored more points in a game than three different teams that you've played against. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My um, must have been on a tear that night. If you I, were... It honestly was more of a defensive effort than, than scoring a bunch of points. My, um, where I was from in Williamson County in Tennessee, it's, it's, uh, we're right outside of Nashville, but I wouldn't call Williamson County high school basketball, the Mecca of athleticism. Um, it's a lot different than like Metro basketball in Nashville or Memphis. Uh, but so my senior year, I was, we started me at six, four, we had another guard that ended up playing division three at Wash U in St. St. Louis. He was about six, three. Uh, we had another guard that was six, three. Then we had a, a big guy that played uh, division two basketball at Trevecca in Nashville. He was six, 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 seven. And then another big that played uh, football at UT Martin. He was six seven. So um, we were really tall for a for a high school basketball team in Williamson County, um, and we were probably more athletic than ninety percent of the teams we played in Williamson County. So that went a long ways. We we played a two three zone a lot, and we were just too long and and too athletic for for teams to shoot over us or try to finish inside. So I think uh, – and those three games were against some pretty bad – yeah, that, that is kind of a fun stat that I, by myself, had more points than the entire other team. Um, but it was definitely a team effort, those games. Right. It's always a team effort 
nonetheless. Yeah. And, you know, kind of getting the opportunity, like you said, you're working on your, it's basically, you're, you're in your grad year at San Jose state. You're working on your master's. You said for engineering, correct? Yeah. And you already have a business management and a political science degree to go along with it. Yeah. I got my, um, bachelor's degree in business management with a minor in political science in three years. And what do you started my MBA when I was at Missouri St. Louis and I'm two classes away from finishing that, but I just, I basically clicked pause on that and, uh, pursued the opportunity to come out here and play division one basketball. Uh, so I'm going to get this master's first in engineering. And then eventually I'll go back to, um, so I just have one semester left. I think I can do it online too. So, uh, but I will return there and get my MBA. So I'll I'll have two masters. Um, by the time I'm done playing college basketball, pretty much. I I was thinking about it the other day. I think you know I wonder if I'm the only Division One basketball player that or that'll finish their career with two masters degrees along with a bachelor's degree. It'd be really interesting. I might have to look that up. Um, but what's what's the end goal? What do you want to do after you know college? Um, initially, I wanted to play overseas um for a little bit I think it would be really fun to play over there for a year or two and just get a different cultural experience um and then just you know play basketball as long as you can and I've got some friends and teammates that have done it um and they've enjoyed it um but when I decided to get this second master's and it's it's probably going to take me you know this is my last year playing but this the my academic program will probably take me at least a year and a half maybe four semesters I'm kind of more committed to that at this point because I think it'll help me uh, down the road more than it would, you know, going to somewhere like Lithuania and, and playing basketball. <laughs> um, so I think I'm going to try to finish this degree, uh, maybe be something like a graduate assistant here next year uh, if I'm still here. Um, and then probably head back to Nashville. I don't see myself in California long term. Uh, definitely a lot different than Tennessee. Right, uh, would love to be back in Nashville, uh, where my family is. And it, it it's nicer to be kind of closer to home, closer to family, and everything like that. Yeah, for sure. And then, a uh, couple more things. Uh, you talked about, you know, you guys. I uh, I believe it was either your year at Carson Newman or one of your first years at Missouri State. Uh, you were talking about, you know, everything happened with COVID. Was that Carson Newman? Yeah, that was a, my first year at Missouri St. Louis. That um, was your first year at Missouri St. Louis. So. I know as a transitioning point to, you know, going from being active, going to class and, you know, having a routine to basically nothing going on, you know, gyms are closed in my area, parks, you know, tore down the basketball goals and, you know, you couldn't really go anywhere. How were you able to kind of adjust to that situation? Oh yeah, it was, um, yeah, that was an awful time to be, I mean, an athlete, but to be anything, it just, really sucked um so yeah we went 27 and 6 that year won the regular season GLBC championship lost in the tournament championship got a three seed in the NCAA tournament we're on the bus to go play southern indiana uh, who's now division one we were going to play them in indianapolis and uh and the season got canceled because of covid um i went back to nashville because they had announced all classes online so i went back to nashville and was able to sneak in the gyms there. I had a um, really good friend um, 
who had graduated from my high school in the late nineties. Um, but he was a assistant high school coach at one of the local high schools and he had a key. So that was kind of clutch because he could get me in there. That's always a problem. Yeah. But I feel like that's what a lot do, uh, especially college or high school athletes just try to find a way into a gym and, uh, Luckily, I had some connections and was able to get in the gym. And then as, as far as um, I also, yeah, I also had a connection to a guy that um, was a personal trainer and had his own weight room. And he uh, was kind of this old school guy from Montana, and he just did not believe in COVID at all. So uh, there was no restrictions as far as his weight room went, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird. Cause I come out to California and we, a lot of people still wearing masks and masks are required on campus. And it's like, you go back home to Tennessee in the South and they haven't believed in COVID in, uh, you know, two and a half years, three years. So it's, it's a different world. Very, you know, it, it's, it was like, you know, where I work, you know, masks are optional and, you know, it's certain people are still wearing masks and, you know, have that you know, are just kind of putting it on others and others are just not just choosing not to wear it. But I'm like, you know, it's your life, live it, you know, just don't tell me how to live mine in a sense. Yeah. It's, um, it's crazy to me. Like, uh, at Missouri St. Louis, we wouldn't have to wear one in the gym, but after we would practice, we'd go down to the weight room. You had to put one on in the weight room, but if you were exercising, you could take it off your mouth and nose. So basically Obviously, if you're in the weight room, you're going to be exercising. So basically, after practice, we would just have to – it was like your ticket to get in the weight room. You'd have to go to the locker room, grab your mask, and then you basically put it on like a chin strap and just walk in the weight room. Then you'd have to wear this chin strap for the whole workout. It just made – you know, it makes no sense to me. It's it's um, yeah. it's crazy. It's like an episode of Seinfeld or something. It's, uh, right. it's funny to think about. So with, you know – having been a college athlete for the last few years and specifically within the last kind of year, year and a half, you've gotten the chance to kind of take advantage of the NIL and take part of business ventures. I see you're part of you're a fusion 100 athlete or a brand ambassador in that sense. Yeah. Are also a barstool sports athlete, which I think everybody kind of yeah. is. Yeah. And then I see you you also tag athletic licensing company, which is their own kind of, nil brand for that so uh first tell me about fusion 100 how you managed how you got involved with that uh i mean i've got all these brands that i'm I'm sure every athlete has this but they uh dm you and it's just like a very general dm that probably some bot sends out yeah Um, but they had sent me one saying you could get we'll give you 50 percent off our product if you endorse us um and I get a lot of them. Most of them I just delete. But this is probably the one where I actually kind of liked one of their products that they had, a couple of their pairs of shorts. So I, I bought a pair for like 50% off and uh, put them in my bio. Um, they actually have some pretty cool products. Um, if you get a chance to check it out, I've, I've put some other people on. But um, so that was that was like that was right when NAL came out. That was like my first thing that came. Um the and then obviously like barstool athletics i haven't got anything from that it's just something i put in my bio uh, i am i am a big barstool guy i listen to a few of their podcasts so yeah. um, i had to do that um the athlete licensing that's my nil company that uh, represents me anything i get through nil uh they can manage it uh but that's uh they're actually based in brentwood where i'm from 
how I got that's kind of a funny story. I went to a Kenny Chesney concert earlier this summer <laughs> with some friends, and that's I was great. yeah, I was um, right in the front row. I was in the Sam Bar, which is like where you can stand up right in front of Kenny and right. the stage. And I hear this guy behind me go uh, before the concert starts. He said something like, oh, "You got to be kidding me! Of course I got to." I got to stand right in front of the, or right behind the six, four guy. And I turned around. I was like, are you talking about me? And he was like, yeah, man, like, I'm, I'm sorry. He was just this short guy. And so, but we started talking um, and he found out I played college basketball. And then he said he owned this um, company in Brentwood that did uh, NIL deals and he wanted me to join. So I had a couple of meetings with uh, some of the guys that, that run the company and ended up joining and uh yeah so they, they've got um they're kind of a brand new thing with nil and i i think you'll see and i, I mean nil is crazy i think you'll see a lot more uh you know companies that are kind of like an agency representing athletes and, and getting these big deals especially at these big like sec schools and then big 10 big 12 um places like that right uh, you'll start to see these these crazy deals and um you know you could even see people take advantage of the uh, of the entire NIL system, um, especially when you pair it with how the transfer portal works now and how basically you could be a free agent technically up to like three times in your college career if, if you uh, if you really think about it. I just find that whole transfer portal really interesting. It's, you know, used to be, you know, once you transfer, you couldn't play for a year. Now it's an immediate start once you transfer out and get accepted. So I, I think it's interesting. I think it's good for, you know, the kids, it's good for the college, you know, and really the kids so that they don't lose that kind of year of eligibility. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting because I was just thinking about this the other day when I, when I first moved to Nashville, um, when I was in middle school, they had a guy at Vanderbilt, which is an sec school and they were really good. This is early 2010s. Vanderbilt had a good team. And they had one of their starters transfer back then that you had to sit out a year. So you, unless you went down a level, so you could go D one to D two and you wouldn't have to sit out. So this guy went from Vanderbilt in the sec starting in the sec. He transferred to the university of Indianapolis, which is a division two school. And they were in the great lakes Valley conference. And um, there are a lot of D one transfers at the D two level, but you don't typically see an sec starter end up at a division two school. Um, but nowadays that wouldn't happen because he would transfer from Vanderbilt and um, have that he could play right away. So he'd probably end up at another big D1 or small D1. Um, so, you know, stuff like that's interesting to think about when it comes right. to the portal. And my last question to you is what advice would you give to the next generation of high school players wanting to play at the college level? Oh, I mean, I think – if you're wanting to play at the college level, it's definitely something that's achievable, um, more achievable than than I thought it would be. Um, there's so many programs out there and so many uh, great leagues. Like a lot of people, you know, I'm a guy that knows a lot about Division three basketball because I got recruited to play it, and I had a lot of friends play Division three basketball. Um, I played Division two basketball, and now I play Division one basketball. Um, a lot of people talk down on, oh, if, you know, if it's not D1, it's uh, whatever. Uh, that's totally not true. I could tell you firsthand, uh, Division two to Division one skill gap is almost non-existent. The, the biggest things 
athleticism and size, but but skill wise, um, D two guys are just as skilled as Division one guys, and D three guys they can play too. Um, so there's a lot of great places that you can you can play basketball. So don't count anything out when someone reaches out to you. Uh, just last week, I was playing, um, been playing with this kid all summer, but he transferred from Emory Division Three in Atlanta to Lipscomb Division One school in Nashville. Um, he's a sixth year like me, and he's a hell of a ball player. Um, I mean, he's he's a Division One basketball player, but he played five years in Division Three. Um, so, you know, the level of, level of play doesn't really matter. There's, there are really good basketball players at, at even NAI too, um, really good basketball players at all three levels and just having the opportunity to continue to play basketball. A lot of people don't get that. So, uh, yeah, I would tell a younger generation just to be open to, uh, whatever opportunities are presented to you. Um, and, uh, try to learn from older guys. Uh, that have been there um and then just uh yeah i mean try to stay focused uh, that was one of the hardest things when i was leaving high school and going to college it's just you know it's so different you're excited to be out of the house for the first time um and on your own and uh and i was red shirting so i didn't really it was like oh i'm not playing i'll just uh kind of do my own thing uh, but I kind of, I probably missed out on some of the opportunities. I, I could have had to get better. Um, but I mean, ultimately I, I figured it out and I, I've, uh, I think I have one of the better work ethics I've been around in, in, uh, my time playing basketball and, you know, it's helped me win a lot of games and be a part of a lot of winning programs. And it's, it's helped me get to the division one level. So, yeah. Absolutely, man. You know, hard work takes precedent over anything and just being able to kind of focus on what's important and you know find that goal that you want that's absolutely what i think would really help the next generation thank you yeah thanks for having me and thank you Kellen. again thank you Kellen, for taking the time to come on the show i wish you the best of luck with your time with your last year at san jose state i'll be sure to keep my tabs open checking any game that i can find for y'all and you know i wish you the best of luck man moving forward thank you so much no problem, man. We'll be right back. You too. Stay tuned. Hey, we're back, guys. So I want to thank Kellen for taking the time to come on the show. I wish him the best of luck this winter season. I know it's going to be a new adjustment going from Division Two to Division One, but I'm excited for him. Um, I know he's not. He's not. This is this is a very sensitive topic. I I've said so many times how much I hate Skip Bayless. Yes. Yes, Did you see? Been, no, let me tell you, no, he's no. been doing some dumb. But this is the worst thing. He, he's at first, you know, I was with Skip. I was. I you was can't with, after that. But he's been talking. You like, can't. Dude, he's some better. A... I don't understand. So if you don't know, hey, Bronny... no, no. If you don't know why I'm upset and why Lavar is pretty much, you know, you know, kind of feeling the same kinda, way. Skip Bayless made a tweet. When LeBron made an absolutely filthy left hand, no right hand, opposite dunk, side, opposite dunk, side, opposite going side dunk away from the rim. I was amazed by that. Was, that. That is? That is impossible. I couldn't even do that. Even you, with like the slam ball trampolines, he hit I can't him with do that. In and out. That was beautiful. To the left hand. That was beautiful. And switched to the left hand to the right and dunked oh, it while amazing. going forward out of bounds. <laughs> 
on him. <laughs> Skip Bayless tweets, Hey, Bronny, impressive, but your dad would have dunked it left-handed. You sure got away with it, though. Oh, my God, Skip, man. This is this you goes know, back, but you, you know what? <laughs> this goes back to when he was talking with Jalen Rose and he was asking what did Jalen Rose oh. do? What did Jalen Rose have? Jalen Rose brings oh, wow. up Skip wow. Bayless's point, <laughs> 1.4 <laughs> points per game average in high school to defend Bronny. And I will turn up the turn up the volume for this. Jalen, I'm not sure many NBA point guards can pull that off. No. Extremely well, Westbrook. Should be overcritical of high school players, in particular those of professional athletes, especially if you're a junior in high school and only average 1.4 points. Yes, I'm yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> I said something about that last chill. Uh oh, don't chill. <laughs> so don't chill. It's just the fact it's that correct. it is correct. It's totally correct. Because Skip Bayless is out of line for that. It's 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 the fact that you're going after Bronny now because like, of LeBron James. Because of LeBron James. I mean, come on, just you, I, Skip Bayless just needs to find go back to look. Just if you're gonna Texas. hate LeBron, hate LeBron. You can't hate his kids. No, you don't even know what they're gonna do yet. And and he, to be honest, with all he's doing, just like LeBron James did with all that. <laughs> That that camera and and everything on his back, you know, he got a lot yeah. going on, and he's showing up. He's showing up, and he's playing good. Right. So it's just, I can't even believe this because it's just so much hate on that's a kid hate, that's just hate, playing hate, the hate, game. Hate. It's so much hate for a kid who's playing the game the right way. You can't and get wrong at him. No, you can't. He's not arguing, not fussing. He plays the game. Oh, Skip. God damn it, so, Skip. I was, I was, uh, uh, and you got two topics left. One of them I thought was really funny. So the NIL has been around for a year, and if you don't know who DeColdis Crawford is, <laughs> he was a football star at a high school because of his name, and he's now playing football at Lincoln, Nebraska for the Cornhuskers. Okay. He made an NIL deal with this heating and cooling company. This commercial is probably the greatest thing I've ever, greatest marketing piece I've ever I'm seen. Sorry to laugh, I this seen greatest, it this greatest commercial I've ever seen in my life. Okay. I'm so glad we called SOS. Our AC is the coldest. I'm always the coldest. SOS Hey, this is Dakota Crawford, wide receiver from Louisiana, now playing at Lincoln. When your AC isn't the coldest, you call SOS heating and cooling. Their takes don't make commissions, so they give you an honest opinion, fair pricing, and a warranty, <laughs> and a competition guaranteed. Take it from the coldest. The bad part is I couldn't close my mouth the whole time. If y'all could have saw my face. First of all, his name is the coldest Crawford. I want to say something to his mama about that. <laughs> or his father, or any sibling or parent that has anything to do with that name. The coldest he better be good, yo. I, I tell you what, with that type of name, your ass better show up and just be the coldest on the field. Oh, when I saw that, ah, commercial, that commercial, I was just... It, all... it was so great because oh, it's just, it no. works perfectly and it's just like, I wonder how much money he's getting from that. Man, he probably got paid off of that too. Oh my God, he probably paid his whole damn college tuition. Probably. <laughs> Oh, but oh, I thought that was coldest. the greatest thing I've ever seen. The coldest Crawford. Man, that put tears in my eyes, man. Because <laughs> it was just, funny. Gosh. Oh, that was funny. 
It was great, wasn't it? <laughs> the coldest corporate. Yeah. He, he got the coldest hands on the field. <laughs> oh, I got to see him play now, man. If he's some trash juice. <laughs> if he's trash juice, man, I'm telling you right now. I'm going to make sure I hit him up on every Those platform. His hands are going to be frostbitten. <laughs> frostbitten. Frostbitten rocks. <laughs> Okay, Dakota. Just hopefully you play. I'm good, sorry, man. but with it, I just had to show you because that was That's great. Hilarious. When I saw that, I was just like, "Oh, this is hilarious!" That's but hilarious. I'm like, "This is great marketing." It is. I mean, his name is Dakota. Like, fantastic. Why not? Why, why not a name? heating and cooling company? Well, your name is Dakota. That's oh, one of the last topics I saw. Um, ESCB and college basketball analyst Dick Vitale. Uh, announces that he is cancer free. Yay! So shout out to him and pulling through. I was he was uh, he had been battling lymphoma and melanoma, and he had been off TV for it's close basketball, to... baby. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but he was he's been such a the voice of basketball, not only for Duke, UNC, and maybe Duke, Kentucky, and some of the high profile games, but even like just all of college, all of college basketball. Yeah, yeah. unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> You know who that is when you hear Dick Vitale. You already know that. Skip oh, that, to my little baby. And he makes you, oh, makes you listen man. and wait for the response that he's going to just, give whoever. It's like when Mike Breen, you hear an NBA analyst, and you hear Mike Breen go, bang! Yeah, right. Come <laughs> downtown. That was my, that was my thing, That's yo. just, so I'm excited or, for or, him to come back, and you know, and he's getting up there, and I know that. Oh, yeah. When he's, he's gone, when he's gone, it's gonna be hard to find the new voice for college basketball. And it, it's gonna to be tough. Hopefully, it's be somebody tough can step up. Shoes. I think you know that's gonna be that's gonna be super tough when he's gone. Yes, and man, uh, just like that, um, the analyst that died—I think he died of uh, cancer. Um, it was a black analyst. Um, why can't I say his name right now? Stuart Scott. Stuart Scott. Man, he he started the, all of the you know the slang. <laughs> For those of you who didn't listen, I'm looking at Lavar's phone. He types in Michael Scott. <laughs> I don't know why Michael Scott popped up. And, and the thing was, <laughs> you know what? The last, the funny part was I put Scott in, and Michael was the first name because I was looking at some Michael Jordan <laughs> fandom because <laughs> I am a Michael Jordan fan, and Michael Scott came up and. I'm glad it wasn't no picture that wasn't supposed to be seen. <laughs> so, it wasn't the word. My It was just, yeah, okay, anyway. Continue. I can't, I can't bro. <laughs> this is just, oh my gosh, that oh. was that was the funniest thing I saw. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need it. I should have deleted that, that Michael off my... Because <laughs> it was an old white man that popped up. And I was like, oh, that's okay, right. that's just not it. <laughs> I don't know who, who, what sport he did. Oh my gosh, that's just hilarious. Oh uh, man, but you know, a lot with with the NBA season and kind of closing it out with the NBA season right around the corner. I had talked about you know the NBA Christmas Day games that are happening, and some of the big ones were uh, Dallas and uh, the Mavericks and the. Lakers were going to play, but I also looked at, you know, even the regular season. Tuesday, October 8th, I believe is the opening night. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the 76ers versus the Celtics and the Lakers versus the Warriors. October 18th. October 18th. Yeah. So we have a couple months before that happens. Yeah. And I, what I would really, and I looked at, you know, how many 
TV games that a lot of these teams have. I think the Lakers have too many. There was it's, it's they the have LeBron effect. They have man. they have twenty five plus TV games. It's the LeBron effect. And I Everybody think it is, but I think see it's LeBron. too high. But, but I think twenty five. I think that's you I know. Think, where, right now, Memphis is hot. I want to see Memphis. So I, I want to see Minnesota. Right. I have it right here. Lakers have twenty five plus. I think the Hornets need more than two. Yes, the most Hornets, definitely. The Hornets need more than two. I think the Hawks need more than two. Definitely the Hawks need uh, more. The Cavs, maybe. I think three, four. I think the Knicks should go down. I think the Knicks don't I need honestly, ten plus. But you want to know something? I honestly think the Knicks are up there they're, because they're starting to play better basketball. I think it's well, just I mean, we had they that, can't. But they, they, they're they not. They can't. They, once the end of the season hits, they suck. They suck. But they're starting New Orleans, to New Orleans is tough because they had a great run at the end of the year no. last year. I think ten is. But I need to see how I need to see Zion. how this year goes. They want Zion. They want Zion, Zion. but you also you, that look, might actually move up. Ten could move up depending. The Clippers at fifteen. No, I don't understand. The I think Kawhi, Clipper, Leonard's, Kawhi not, Leonard's not. If he plays, if he plays, yeah. Sure. But if not, then you should but go back down to ten. One game sits out forward and plays a game that sits out four. I don't want to see two the of the games. The only reason that Denver there. has fifteen plus is because of Nikola Jokic. Well, I the, think I think their whole team about to be back. Like I, I saw Murray, Jamal Murray needs Jamal to come Murray back. Balling. Phoenix is at fifteen. I think you know that's okay to a degree. Philly, ooh. they had a clip of. I know this is all. This is not about Denver, but they had a clip of John Wall. <laughs> practicing and this move he did man i swear he did it so fluidly i tried it it almost broke something <laughs> but I, broke something. it was so fluid and i'm like please come back and be that same john wall for me please please if he can get to that the only team there are one two there are eight teams with only one tv game this year which the, is trifling. the kings the Pistons, which I feel they should have, more. I feel they should have two. I feel they should have because more. they have good talent coming in. Yes, Houston one. I agree. I want OKC. OKC, to have more. I think needs more because, because I want to see if Chet, Chet Holmgren Chet. should have more of the games. And, and I want Orlando see if should have Orlando should have more than one because of pa- Paolo Boncaro. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, most definitely. Indiana one. I kind of agree. They got rid of everybody. San Antonio. I think you need. Two or three, just because of pop. Pop's still there. I know, but they got rid of everybody. They got rid- and then the Jazz is you're really just hanging on to Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell at that point. But still, but one. That, yeah, I'm about to say one. One, game. you on need now. at least two, maybe I three. Think, like, it, to be honest, it's, some the, of these should go down. Like yeah, the Wizards, the Raptors, Wizards, I don't is, see. the Blazers need to go down. The, I think the Blazers need to stay up because I want to see how. Um, um, God damn it! Get his name out, man. Yeah. He played with the Warriors. He's now there. Oh, Gary Payne Jr. Oh, yeah. I want to see how he's he probably. I think Toronto, the only reason Toronto's still up is because their name's still relevant. Yeah, it's just hard. I think Washington is still, I think Washington needs to go down. I think. Yes. And Cleveland. Even, it's just Bradley Beal is the only name other than maybe Trade him, Bradley Beal, but that's please. It. Trade him, man. Get him out of there. Sh- he's. He yeah. wants to get out. He's the, playing too the hard. Nets, the Nets are at ten. I think if Durant, whatever happens with Durant, it'll either go up or down. Miami is good, but if they start winning, move them up. Yep. Minnesota, I think they have a really good chance to get more games because of with 
the addition of Gobert and you have Cat, and you still have a good team. Yeah. Chicago, it depends on where Lonzo. Lonzo's health, it depends on if they go up or down. Zach Levine well, needs to be do well. And De- DeMar DeRozan needs to keep playing at a high level. I'm super biased. I want them to have at least 20 games. <laughs> you want them to have at least 20? I don't give a damn. With, I don't care. I'll, I'll give it to I think what will happen, I think Memphis will eventually move it up to 20. I think they should at least get 20. Memphis, Memphis I think Memphis, Denver. Memphis, I'm Boston, t- and maybe Milwaukee could eventually move up. Yeah. Philly, probably not. Sons Phoenix will do down. Dallas, that's a tough because Dallas, I, I think don't want to see them all the time. I think it I, depends I, on how they do. I think they should have started them at ten. Have whatever well they do, move them up. I think we need to figure out just for a scheduling wise, mm-hmm. look at the season prior and look at it. Do they need the TV games? Disregard who's on the team, right? I think who deserves it. The I Golden love, State obviously look, needs twenty five plus. They were I champs. love Luca. I love Luca, but. He does too much with the ball sometimes. Mm. He needs to facilitate and dish. Right. Don't sit there and dribble for twenty eight minutes. Right. Because he can't. He really can't be stopped. But he stops himself. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how the year goes yeah. and games. What you know moves will happen through that. So we're at the end of the show. You know, shouts to uh, Kenichi Bear boosted uh, Moolah Kicks and Jim and Juice down at Town Center. Make Jim sure go, and Juice. Make sure to go j- check it out, you guys. They're amazing. It's really good. And uh, they got a nice so gym. We're here, you know, Thursday. I know we're heading to Friday. We're ready for the weekend. Uh, just with the end of summer coming along, guys, take advantage of it, especially myself, because I probably got I got work starting in like two weeks, and then got to see the kids <laughs> in about three. So. Yeah. I gotta get myself mentally focused, ready Back for into that. It. Gosh, it's gonna be tough getting up early and all that jazz. But I mean, <laughs> just getting up early for that time being. But I think just take advantage of the time you have left for the summer. Um, go and to this the beach weather. and this weather because soon it's gonna. I mean, oh my gosh, it's been so nice the last it's week. Between seventy and oh, eighty it's degrees, beautiful it's so after good. that like heat wave of like three Death. weeks. It's, <laughs> it's been so nice. Soak through my drawers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it was the worst heat ever, man. Oh, man. <laughs> it was miserable. But bro. just take the time to you know get out, you know, enjoy the fresh air, nice weather, and go do something different with your day, you know, before yes the you know starts to get even cooler. Um, what you got for the people, man? Like I said last time, just live happy, be healthy. That's all. <laughs> All right, guys, make sure to keep tuning in to the series. Um, like I said, we got new episodes coming out every week. We are trying to get more active through social media and even continuing with the Hooper Reflection series, trying to get more people back on. And just keep tuning into the channel. Every listen helps. And remember, don't be a bystander. Be a Hooper. And keep balling. Peace. Peace.